normally, when, when you look at men and women, you know, I forget what the statistics are. Mo most men will, will speak, you know, maybe five to 700 words a day, and I think women speak about 3,200 words a day. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying there's a, there's a massive difference between the, the use of, a, of words between men and ladies. You know, two guys can get in a car and drive to Texas and, and maybe five words and be completely content. You know, that, that's not going to happen with two ladies in the car. I mean, you might want to take that times a thousand. And they aren't content until they get it all out. And so there's a huge difference between men and women. And God made us that way. And, and you know, I, I, I really believe that, you know, uh, I thank God that God's in the communication enhancement business. If you're not the most communicative type of person, God can help you. I used to be scared to death. I didn't ever want to. The, the last thing I ever wanted to do, and I begged God, I said, no, any job, but never one that's like writing papers or getting up in front of people at school. Every time I write a sermon, it's like writing a paper. And you've got to communicate on paper. And that's harder than doing it. You know, that's, that's a terrible thing. And then you got to get up in front of people and you got to talk. And now it's easy as pie. But you know, there, God is the communication enhancer. And God will, can help us have better communication one to, to another. There has to be communication. And a lack of communication actually breaks or breaches fellowship. Why is that true? Because we're made in whose image? God's image. And our relationship is the bride of Christ. And he is as the groom, Jesus is the groom, we're the bride uh, as, as the church, is like a marital relationship. Can I get an amen? We are the bride of Christ. And our relationship with Christ is all about communication. And you know, prayer, praying to God is a form of communication. And hearing from God is a form of communication. And you can't be a doer of the word without hearing from God. And you can't be led by the Spirit until you hear from God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, and you got to be hearing to be led, right? And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the ones in relationship. And so everything hinges on relationship. And everything hinges on communication for that relationship to stay alive and to function the way that God meant it to function. And so it's very important that we, when we look at ourselves as husband and wife, that we remember the bigger picture and whose image that we represent and who we can get our cues from to have a good relationship because if we're going to have a good relationship with God as the body of Christ, there has to be this communication of hearing. And there has to be this communication of praying. And, and, I, and refusing to communicate with God is sin. Did you know that you know, it says, Samuel said this, he said, God forbid that I not pray for you and sin. He said that to not to pray was to sin. To not to seek God and to seek to hear his voice is a form of sin. It's a form of sin not to communicate with your spouse. And it's true with God and, and the church, and it's true with a husband and wife. When, when you shut down communication, now you might accidentally do it for a little while, but, but if you don't put effort into it, how many of you know the Bible says, him that knows to do good and does it not to him it is sin? Is that not true? 
If we know we're supposed to do this and we don't do it, then we, we start entering into sin as soon as he brings it to our consciousness. Now, there are times where you may not be conscious of things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when God starts bringing it to your attention, you need to up the communication here. You need to up this communication. And again, it, it is a big cause of, mar of marital and then wrong kinds of communication also cause problems. You know, it's, it's cited now that over between 50 and 60% of divorces today, uh, that Facebook is cited as the major cause. Stirring up old flames and wrong communication. And because you're so involved in this communication, you're neglecting the communication with the one you're supposed to be having communication with. Can I get an Amen. So Facebook has become a real, it, it, Facebook is a major tool when people split churches. I know a person who lost 40, 50 people out of his church. He said it all took place on Facebook, every bit of it. Uh, the, the whole campaign took place on Facebook. And uh, so these things, uh, communication is important. And I believe this, that uh, it, it has the capacity to really harm and to do really good. And we all have the capacity to communicate. You know, well, I can't communicate very well. Well, that's funny. Helen Keller was able to communicate. You can't communicate well, and you got perfectly good mind and perfectly good physical uh, capabilities to communicate. It, it, it may be more that we don't want to communicate bad enough. Lots of times. So we can do it well, and, uh, and God gives us the ability... God is the enhancer. Isaiah 50 and 4. Now, this is talking about preaching. I'm aware of that. But it says that he gives us the tongue of the learned to speak a word in season. Now, if we are going to do that in ministry, couldn't we do that with our spouse? Couldn't we get the tongue of the learned to speak a word in season when they need a word from the Lord, when they need an encouragement, when they need some direction? Psalms 54, 1, it says that David says that give me a tongue as of a pen of a ready writer. In other words, you're dictating from God. In other words, you're the writer. You know, back in those days, they had their scribes, and they would speak it out, and the scribe would write everything down. The pen of a ready writer. In other words, you're ready to take what God says and write it down and communicate it. Give me a tongue that, that, that's straight off the hot press from heaven. Acts 6 says that Stephen, they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. They couldn't. They couldn't resist it. They couldn't resist his wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. God is a communication enhancer. Can I get an amen? He can make you talk way better than you really can. I know that, that for a fact. It says that Apollos was mighty in the scriptures and eloquent and powerful in speech. Well, who made him that way? God did. God told Moses, he says, who made your tongue? I did. I can make you talk great or I can shut you up so you can't talk. Just like Zechariah, uh, John the Baptist's father, who couldn't talk for, what was it, a month? 60, I don't know, quite a while. Something like that. So God, God, has, God has access to your tongue. And never say, there, there's some type of excuse that I, I, I can't commit. I'm not like you. I, I just can't. I'm just not good at communicating. You know what? You know what will increase your communication better than anything else? You know, a lot of people in, in the secular world, you can take courses how to influence people, make friends and influence people. You can take Dale Carnegie courses, and they'll teach you that you need to do a lot of, do a lot of reading in before a lot of intelligence will come out. Yeah. People that read a lot are great conversationalists because they've put something into themselves, 
and there isn't like an empty slate sitting between your ears. And so it's really important that you put something in if you want something intelligible to come out. And so the more you put in, the more you have a reservoir of that which can come out. But what you really need to fill your head with is the Word of God. Because in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God that tells me God is communication. Because the word logos means communication. And in the beginning was the communication. And the communication was with God, and the communication was God. And then the communication became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word. The Word. The Word. That's what the word logos means. So there's something very powerful about communication. There's something very powerful. God has chosen that by the foolishness of preaching that men should be saved, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. And so we know that there is this power in words. God created, he communicated to nothingness that there was going to be somethingness. He said, light be and light was. Words create things, and words can create things in your kids, in your spouse. Words can create things in other people. If, if God's word can create a universe... If God's word can create the worlds, then you know what? God's word can create a new heart in somebody that you're praying for if you talk to them. God can create a new understanding in their head. God can create a new attitude in their way of doing things. God can create something that you're speaking into somebody. Something new can get created in them. Just like God our Father who we're in the image of created his entire world, we should be creating our world with what we say. And that includes our spouse and our marriage. Somebody say amen. So it's very important that we understand that. Turn with me, and we're going to begin tonight over there in Colossians, the fourth chapter. And it was, it's prayer for communication. Now, I'm talking about communication in a general sense right now, but we're going to apply that to marriages. So look what it says here. It says, continue in prayer and watch. Now, I'm sorry, I didn't say where we're at. Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all prayer also for us, that God would open unto us a door of, everybody say it. Now what are some, mine says utterance, King James says utterance. What do some of the other translations say? Word, okay. He's going to open to us a, a door of the word or utterance or speaking or preaching. I think that's, see God can open up our utterance for us, Amen. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Did you know God can make it manifest? God can make the articulation manifest the way it's supposed to. God can make you talk the right way, the way you want it to come out. God can make it manifest in the articulate realm in the way that it should. That's called the anointing. God can make that apology to your spouse manifest the way it ought to. Somebody say amen. Well, God, just give me the strength to say I'm sorry. He can make that manifest. And that's almost a miracle with some people. So he can make things that we want to say. Communication. We're talking about communication. Things that we want to say. He can make those things begin to manifest. Things that we need to say, if we'll just, what? Ask him. You have not because you ask not. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech, everybody say speech, be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that's preserving power, with salt, 
that you may know how you ought to answer every man. There should never be a problem with communication. Somebody say amen. You just got to ask God and you got to step out in faith. And I'm amazed how there's times where I've spoken to some really important people. And it was like I sat there listening like, I can't believe I just said that so well. Because I sure don't have the intelligence to do that. But you know what? When the anointing gets on you, you can go way beyond yourself. Somebody say amen. And I know, I'm, I, I know, and I thank God, because I know I couldn't do that. But God will use you. But you got to put something in. you got to be putting the word in. The word creates wisdom. The word creates anointing and power. The word will change everything because it is a supernatural flow from God. Now let's switch over a little bit more close to actual marital communication. And what we open up with in the Bible is really an amazing thing. Is God talking to Adam and then Adam's communication with his wife. Turn with me to Genesis 3, 1 through 5. And we all know the story. And one thing that is very, very important to remember when you read Genesis 1 and 2, and, and I'm surprised more people don't pick up on this sooner, but maybe it's because they don't look at Genesis 1 and 2 a lot. Genesis 1 and 2, if you haven't noticed, is not chronological, not even close. You've got to understand that Genesis 1 is a meta-narrative, overview, big picture, comprehensive, the big picture of what he's going to get ready to tell you about. Instead of a macro, he goes down to a micro level, articulating point by point what took place in chapter 2. No, chapter 1 is big picture, and then chapter 2 is specificity. And he goes through. In other words, he gets ready to tell you exactly what he's going to tell you before he tells you. And that's one of the great communication uh, principles that you're supposed to do whenever you speak in public. So God gets ready to tell us what he's going to tell us before he tells us. And so he tells us, you know, that in the beginning he created, you know, a man in his own image created he, uh, male and female. Then he said he blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. And then you get over there, and you would think that uh, that preceded chapter uh, or two, but then you find out he hasn't even made man yet in chapter two. He's talking about making them male and female and then talking to them and said, God bless them and said, be fruitful and multiply and, and says some other things. And, and then you'd think, okay, let's go to chapter two and, and the chronology will, will take, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that at all. You got to understand. Then you go over there and he hasn't even created Adam yet. But then he talks about creating Adam. He talks about all the things he made for him in the garden. Then he talks about putting him in the garden. Then he tells, talks about how he told Adam uh, to guard the garden, and then he talks about getting him a helper, uh, but oh, and before he, he says, I'll get him a helper, he says, don't eat of the tree of the garden, because in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die, and then he uh, wants him to have a helper, a helpmate, and then he has him name all the animals, and then he finds out that that isn't an appropriate helpmate, and then he creates Eve out of Adam's rib and takes her out, and then we see he joins them back together. And then, boom, after he has told Adam to not eat of the tree. And we see in chapter 3 that there's some communication going on. 
The devil comes and says, did God really say don't eat of the tree? And Eve says, well, God says that in the day that we eat thereof, we shall surely die. So Adam must have told Eve. Because where else would Eve would have told it? Because we don't have a record of God telling Eve that. But thank God, thank God Adam must have told Eve that. And she got it secondhand. But when the devil challenged it, she let go of the word of God. And the devil says, oh, in the day you surely, you know, you'll not die. But you'll be as gods and you'll know good and evil. And then the woman saw that it was beautiful to look at pleasant to eat, good to eat, and it would make her wise, then she communicated to the man, and he followed her communication. But the strange thing was, there was no record of Adam communication that what the serpent said to Eve was wrong. There's no record of him saying, wait, 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 Eve! What's this conversation you're having? Don't listen to that knucklehead. Don't you remember what God said? Don't you remember? He said that in the day that you... I don't care what this slimy thing, uh, this snake-like creature is saying. See, he had legs then. And he, he, there, there's no record of communication. We hear communication from God to Adam. That was good. Must have been from Adam to Eve. That was good. But then bad communication came in and corrupted the woman because women are naturally what? Deceived. And men are naturally what? Tempted. What was? Seduced. Yeah. If you'll notice, follow this in scriptures, women naturally fall, fall into a, a, a kind of a propensity to be deceived, and men fall into the propensity of being seduced. Can we all agree upon that? That's pretty, and you can see that today in people, and any psycho psychologist will tell you that. And when you look at this, she was allowed to have wrong communication with the wrong person. When you allow wrong types of communication, with wrong people. I don't care if it's your kids. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care who it is in your family. You don't allow wrong communication with the wrong people if you want to keep your marriage. Somebody say amen. amen. And then you don't allow wrong communication to rule your house. You put a stop to it. And then you reimpose the right communication. Impose is probably too strong of a word. But you reassert, assert's a proper word. You reassert the right communication. But honey, God said, don't eat of the tree. What part of this do you not understand? And why would you follow a, a slimy thing in a tree than the creator of the universe and your husband? What's wrong with you? You need to, you know, this, needs, this communication needs to be corrected, like right now. Where are the men today that will do this? Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. That magazine's not coming in my house. That Facebook time, you're not going to be a part of. That television show never shows in our home. Because these are all false, evil, wicked communications 
And then if it does get in, you better be on it and better have enough word in you to correct it because he, had, he should have had enough word deep in him to not eat of that tree that he, he would have been insisting that she didn't eat from that tree. But wrong communication won out with wrong order in the household. So communication has to do with order. Can I get an amen? The order of the house. Communication is very important. And so Ephesians 4, let's go there at 29 and 30. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouths. Don't be a mouthpiece for the devil. Don't be a, an empty-headed mouthpiece for the devil. Can I get an amen? We don't want to be an empty-headed mouthpiece for the, de from, for the devil. We want to be a mouthpiece for God. And so as we look at this, Ephesians 4.29 it talks about that everything that we say should be edifying. And th this is what marriages are made of. This is what causes marriages to work. And we've all failed in this area. And, and because the tongue no man can tame. Only the Holy Spirit can tame your tongue. Can I get an amen? Only the word of God can tame your tongue. And David said, the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O Lord. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by giving heed thereto according to thy word. But Ephesians 4.29 uh, says this. And it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister unto the hearers. See, when Eve said, We're, it's good to eat, uh, it, it's, it's pretty to look at, and it'll make us wise, uh, let's go ahead and eat it. He should have said, that's corrupt communication. Now, let me give you some godly communication. God said, in the day they eat thereof, you shall surely die. Always counteract corrupt communication with biblical communication. Always be sure and always be speaking the word to every situation that comes up in your, in your household. Salt keeps uh, meat from corrupting. And I like, you know, Paul uses that salt analogy a lot. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, but that which is good to these edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And, you know, I believe this, that when we uh, speak things that are... Uh, that kill corruption. And corruption is what is a word that's used for when meat putrefies, it becomes corrupted. And salt keeps that from happening. Can I get an amen? And so there's, there's, there's an uh, inference there. So let's go on. Let's go to um, five principles of good communication. Number one, choose never to be offensive. Some people have offensive uh, communication. Some people have offensive personalities. Some people have an offense. Their whole way of life is offensive. And we need to be careful not to be offensive. Now, we need, uh, you know, the, how many of you know the gospel is an offense to those who are perishing? If there's going to be an offense, let it be the gospel, not your personality. Somebody say amen. So we, we, need to, we need to be not offensive in personality. Our message may be offensive to a person who's perishing, but it says, you know, Reckless words pierce like swords. Proverbs 12, 18, we won't turn, you can, you can write this down if you're taking notes. But it says, reckless words pierce like swords, like the piercing of a sword. You know, I will turn there. It's just worth reading. And, and you ought to mark that. This is a powerful uh, portion of scripture. Uh, and I, I love Proverbs. We, we, our kids got raised on Proverbs. And it's what imparts wisdom to children. So why would you read anything else? Proverbs 12 and 18, and it says this, it says, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. How many of you want to be health to people instead of a sword? Amen. Amen. Now, I know the word is a two-edged sword, 
But you're not the two-edged sword. The word is. Good communication requires trust. Defensiveness distorts the hearer's interpretation. If you're defensive, you won't hear what somebody's saying. I, there's, a, there's a woman who used to attend our church, and, and she, I said something to her, and she was sure that I said something completely different, and she became offended by that. I said, well, I won't say her name. That is not what I said. And because she somehow got a hold of some type of an offense, she heard something completely different. How many of you have ever had that happen, where people hear something completely different than what you're saying? Isn't that frustrating? That's bad communication. That's bad communication. But we take risk if, uh, if, if we make people defensive because maybe we've been offensive, and then they become naturally defensive, then that will distort what they're saying. And, uh, you know, one man, there's always the story we've always heard this, burst into a room filled with people in a doctor's office all sitting there. And he screams out, all is found out, flee while you still can. And, and of course, they say 90% of the people get up and run because they have guilty consciences. All is found out. You've been found out. And some people get nervous just hearing me say that. <laughs> we, found, we found out about you. We know what you're doing. <laughs> and people just... <clears throat> That's because lots of people have guilty consciences. But that's not the way to communicate. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Research, the number one deterrent of good communication is when one party feels threatened. That's the number one reason why communication breaks down is another person thinks you're coming after them. They feel threatened. And how many of you know from then on, everything is tainted. They don't hear what you're saying. Or they don't hear it right. That's why one place it says, let them have ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying. How many of you know people are threatened by God and don't hear what he's saying either? So we've got to learn to be uh, not offensive, uh, but to be a blessing. James 3, 2 says, if we offend not in word, then we're a perfect man and we're perfectly mature. And we, are, we can bridle the body. That's if you don't offend with your words. That means you've got true religion, as, well, as it says in James. Okay, number two. Let's go on to principle number two of good communication. So, so, so choose not to be offensive. Choose not to, and, and we'll just look at this, and it says that the lips of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is for a moment. And it says that um, there is that speaketh like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. We want to be the tongue of the wise and be health to people. Amen. So number two, choose to be swift of hearing. All communication is two-way. You know, I, I really did not like Donald Trump when he originally ran. You know, I heard that he had strip joints in his casinos, and I despise that sort of stuff. And, and I heard that, you know, he had multiple you know, wives and all this stuff, and I really didn't like him. And, and I think he's, there's some change going on in his life. But one thing I, I liked about him is he always listened to people. They say he's a very, very good listener. How many of you like listeners instead of people that drown you out and interrupt you? Did you know that when you interrupt people, that is a very subtle and nuanced form of pride? People that interrupt people a lot, 
that's actually a very subtle form of pride because they think that what they have to say is more important than what you have to say. And that's, and that's pride. And, and good manners, you know, are, are, are so important. And so we need to be swift of hearing. All communication is two A's. It says in James 1.19, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, a lot of people, if they just hear you out, they wouldn't be angry about it. Oh, man, I've been waiting here for two hours. And what are you doing getting here two hours late? What's wrong with you, you knucklehead? Well, I got in a car accident on the way here, and my daughter uh, broke her neck. Would that be a good enough excuse for you? Now that you heard me out. See, we just need to listen and get the whole story. Somebody say amen. You know, most couples are swift to speak and slow to hear. And so men get angry, and women get hurt. And women get deceived, and men get seduced. And those are just, those are just things that you're going to have to understand and work around those things. Also in the church, people speak before they have heard the truth. You know, I find this, that the pastor has all kinds of things that he has to keep confidential. Did you know I can't just tell you the reason why I do a lot of things? Did you know if I told you the reason why I have to do certain things a certain way, I would have to break confidence about somebody else? And so always be careful not to ask too many questions. If the pastor or somebody in authority gets quiet, that might mean that they can't tell you what you're asking. Somebody say amen. And so be slow. Like, why? why? How come? Well, I want an answer. Be quiet a minute. Be slow to speak and listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you won't have to hear. You'll just know, oh, okay, I can figure that out. Just by merit of his silence, I can figure that out. Somebody say amen. Sometimes silence will tell you more than three paragraphs. Communication is more than blah, blah, blah. Communication is paying attention. And the Spirit of God says, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Have ears to hear what the silence might be saying. Somebody say amen. And so we've got to be swift to hear. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Hear what the situation is saying. Hear what the innuendo and the inference is saying. Hear what the lack of communication might be saying. And don't be talking too much, because a fool uttereth all of his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Can I get an amen? I've seen people that's done stuff on Facebook. That, oh my gosh, now they wish that it wouldn't. And you know, it's like toothpaste. Once it's out, you never can get it back in. Once it's out of the tube, it's there. And uh, let, me, let, me, let me just inform your minds. It's a permanent record forever. It never goes away. Someone... Somewhere, if they want to find it, can always find everything that you've ever said in your texts, everything that you've ever said on Facebook, everything that you've ever emailed. It's all forever a permanent record. So be slow to speak, somebody. Amen. Amen. Because it can really come back and bite you really bad. Effective listening shows that you care about the other person. It shows that you, their feelings are important. It means that you're willing to work to, 
together towards a desired unity and end. And so it's important that we understand that. Characteristics of poor listeners. They're quick to speak. A fool uttereth all of his mind. A fool uttereth all... You know, he's ready to tell you everything he knows in the first three minutes. A fool utters all of his mind, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. The Bible also talks about in Proverbs 15. It says, well, let's just go there. It's really, it's one of my favorite verses. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. Everybody say a soft answer. You can always soften your communication. It's really important that we soften our communication. How many of you have got mad and yelled? Everybody's hand should be up. Come on. Have an altar call for liars. But anyway. Everybody's gotten mad and raised their voice, right? But a soft answer turneth away wrath. And when you raise your voice, you're asking, you're asking to get into it. And a soft answer has great power. It turns away wrath. But grievous words stirreth up anger. Grievous words. Grievous words. We're talking about communication tonight. Amen? Good listeners understand you can't listen if you're trying to talk. Good listeners understand you can't listen if you're angry. I don't hear anything after I get angry. I don't know about you, but I don't hear a word that anybody's saying after I get angry. I go into his own. So do you. Everybody does. When you're angry, you're not paying a bit of attention to anybody else. You're all consumed with your emotions. And that's selfishness. Oh, Pastor Bill, why do you have to preach like this? It's true, though. It's true. It's really quiet in this room, this Presbyterian church, I tell you. Number three, speak something positive. Proverbs 16 24, it says, pleasant words are their sweetness to the soul. They're like honeycomb. Positive words, pleasant words. Sweetness to the soul, they're like honeycomb. They're health to your bones. You know, arthritis comes from worry. Arthritis is inflammation. Arthritis comes from unhappiness. Somebody say amen. Create an atmosphere for communication. A soft answer turns around. If you can keep it quiet. You know, I have found this. If you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. If you want to put somebody on defense, yell. I mean, there are some times when you're preaching, you, you need a good shout. And that's biblical, right? But I mean in personal, one-on-one communication. If you want to get somebody's attention, speak softer. That's unless they have a hearing aid issue. But other, other than that, if you speak softer, you'll get a lot more people's attention. Like Ian F. Hutton, you know what I'm saying? There's something about when you speak softer words, you get more impact and more people want to listen. If somebody's whispering, yeah, I don't know about you, but if somebody's whispering, I want to hear what they're whispering about. No secrets in this room. So we, we want to hear what the whispering is all about. And that's important. So, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath. Carnal responses, unpleasant, harsh words, silence. Then you can go completely the other way and you go into the silence mode. It's aloof. It's a refusal. 
to communicate, and it breaks fellowship. When you go silent in a passive-aggressive way, how many of you know what passive-aggressive means? When you go silent, that's passive-aggressive, in case you don't know what that is. But passive-aggressiveness is you're doing nothing becomes offensive and adversarial. And your, and your quietness is really an assault. It isn't, just, it isn't just time out, it's being assaultive by not refusing to communicate. And somebody say amen. So that's, a, that's another thing that we don't want to do, is we got to be careful not to go silent. Now, if, you, if you're having a hard time getting control over your mouth, you might want to go silent for a little while, but not seven weeks. Amen? All right. Uh, and, you know, really notice that both of these two things, pleasant words and soft words, require communication. They require communication. You know, we used to train horses. My, we had a bunch of Arabian horses, and we used to show them on weekends. And uh, we'd go to church on Saturday night and go to horse shows on Sunday morning. And, uh, and we never missed church, but we just, a lot of times, if there was a horse show, we'd go on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, I found this that a horse, if you yell, they get out of control, especially Arabians. They're real high-strung. And we showed these horses. We trained them. I rode them. My sisters rode them. We went to all these shows and things. We had tons of trophies. We had to haul trophies by the carload to get rid of them all because they cluttered up our house. But we had a lot of fun doing that. But I found this. If you speak, how many of you know what horse whispers are? How many animals like to be, you know, a soft whispering voice? That's, that's true with your spouse, too. And, and so... I'm not trying to make any parallels here, but it's true with donkeys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, but it, it creates a positive response, soft words, pleasant words. All right, let's, we better move on. Number four, choose to admit when you're wrong. And it's really true. Turn with me to Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9. It says, reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he'll love thee. Wow. Correct, reprove, rebuke. You can use a lot of different words. But a wise man likes to be corrected. You know when you can tell somebody who's really wise? They like correction. Now, that's just really counterculture, folks. That's really counterculture. That's really transcendent. That's really not here in the down and dirty. That, that, that takes a, a higher sense of consciousness. It really does. It takes a, a, an ability to have some self-reflection, that you actually like being corrected, because you want to turn out right. You want to be something better than you presently are. So go ahead and correct me, because a wise man loves correction. A fool hates correction. You identify yourself in how you respond to correction. I said you identify yourself, you label yourself, you categorically uh, reveal who you are when you don't like correction. And it's a fool. 
A wise man, on the other hand, says, you know, that kind of hurts, but, you know, I'm really glad you told me. Because, man, that embarrassed me to think that I was going around acting like that. I didn't realize it. How many of you want to be made better? How many of you want to fix all the wrong things in your life? I want to get fixed. I don't know about you, but I want to get fixed. I want all the stupidity out of me once and for all. And, and there's plenty, there's, in my life, there's plenty to go around for all of us, you know. We, 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 all, we all come from a place of an unrenewed mind. And we all need to be corrected. And, you know, it hurts a little bit more if the pastor does it, uh, you know, because, you know, or, or if it happens publicly to somebody or something like that. But, you know, just if you get corrected, and even if it's your spouse, if they're corrected and they're really right and it's really true, just take it, you know, just say, oh, all right. And, and just be thankful for it. I mean, I have to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. But, but at the same time, you know, just be thankful that, you know, you, you're getting that part of your life corrected. And a, reproving a wise man, and he'll love you for it, the Bible says. How many of you know today we got a lot of foolish people running around? Very proud. You know, the Bible says only by... Pride cometh by contention. Only by pride cometh contention. You know, every contention that you have with somebody, it's ultimately a pride issue. Every fight, every argument, every dissenting thing, every time there's strife, the Bible says the root of it is pride. Only by pride cometh contention. Psalms 119, 165 says this. It says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wise men love to be corrected. Nothing offends them because they love God's word. And when you get into strife with somebody, no, it's pride. It's always pride. Pride always causes you to get into it with people. So it says that a wise man avoids controversies and strifes. Well, I can't remember. I'm not saying that right. It's, it's a proverb, but it says wise men avoid. It, it's an honor for a man to avoid strife. That's basically the paraphrase. Everybody say it's an honor to avoid strife. Now that doesn't mean we don't contend for the faith. That's not strife. That's standing up for truth. Can I get an amen? Strife is this petty stuff. My way is better, my way is better than your way. That, that's petty strife. Now you can joke about it. You know, you can joke about Chevy and Ford and, and stuff like that. But I mean when you really get ugly with each other. That, how many of you know that's strife? That's wrong. You don't do that. And in, in, in relationship, it, it's, it's, it's destructive. Okay, so in James 3.17, it says that there is a wisdom that is not from above, but is from below. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish. But then there is a wisdom that is from above, the Bible says. And it starts out by saying it's easily entreated. The distinguishing differentiation between you and the one who possesses wisdom that is from below, that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. People that operate in sensual, earthly, devilish, I said, devilish wisdom. The distinguishing factor is are you easily entreated in your marriage? Because that is the wisdom that's from above. It's, it's, it's peaceable, and it's easily entreated. What is it? Uh, you know, when, when you think of easily entreated, it, what does it mean? Willing to yield to reason. Or I would say wisdom. Easily entreated. So 
One of the key things about marriage is uh, choose to admit when you're wrong. Always choose to admit when you're wrong. I really like, Brianne said this to me. She said with her children, I think it was you, said that she makes her children say back to her, Mom, we're wrong, you're right. Didn't you tell me that? Somebody told me that. Who told me that? But they make their children. Like, yeah, I thought it was you. I thought you told me that. They make their children not just say, you know what? Uh, okay, I won't do that anymore. They make their children say back to them, Mom, you're right and I'm wrong. That'll train your kids up right. That'll take the pride out of their, their attitude. That'll put them in a proper relationship with authority. That will cause them to have a good marriage. Those little seeds that get planted in kids when they're little, oh, you better believe they become real big trees later on. And you, and you, and you better believe that it has a consequence. And so, I'm wrong, Mom. I'm wrong, Dad. You're right. See, because then one day, they'll say, I'm wrong, God. You're right. That's what it translates into when they're adults. I'm wrong, God. You're right. That's called repentance. And it's perfect repentance training to exercise that with your children. And so take a clue from that. That's a powerful thing. Easily entreated is the wisdom that's from above. Oh, wow. We're out of time. Let me just say this quick. The last one is... uh, This, the, the, you know, Brother Hagin, he used to say, he knew one pastor that always said, I'd rather die than admit that I'm wrong. And he said it wasn't very long and he was dead. Stubbornness is the sin of idolatry. Your will is God. Well, I'm strong-willed. Oh, I wouldn't admit to that. That means you're an idolater. If your will is so strong that it, it means more than anything else, the Bible says that stubbornness is as idolatry. Well, we're just a stubborn people. We're just a stubborn, I come from a stubborn, I've just got a stubborn, you know, streak in me. Well, you just got idolatry. Let's call it what it is. Your stubbornness is idolatry. It's where your will becomes more important than everything else. It's all about selfishness. It's about being self-absorbed. It's self-absorbedness when you say, My will, I'm strong-willed above, you know. And I, he says it's as idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. Saul would not admit that he was wrong when he came back and he didn't kill Agag and he, and he didn't kill the Amalekites. He was supposed to kill them. Kill them. And he wouldn't do it. And he came back and he blamed the people. And his fellowship with God was immediately broken and the spirit of God was taken from him and an evil spirit was given to him. As far as I can tell, Saul must have went to hell. There's no, there's no promise in there that says he went to heaven. When the spirit of God leaves you, and a demon spirit comes upon you, boy, that doesn't sound like somebody going to heaven to me. That's serious business. All right, last one is just choose to be genuine in your, in your communication. There's a lot of hypocritical, with your lips they honor me, but with their hearts are far from me. Don't let yourself fall into that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's riddle communicators. They're always talking in a riddle. There's what I call, and pardon the phrase, schizophrenic communication, where you're always saying one thing and you really mean something else. Trying to be cryptic all the time. Now, just be plain so we all understand what you're saying. Just be plain. Don't, we don't need clever. We need clear communication. 
We don't need clever communication. We need clear communication. Somebody say amen. And not some ESP communicator where you're just supposed to know the Spirit of God is supposed to tell you. God should have told you that. If you were spiritual, you'd know that. There's people like that. Don't be that way with your spouse. Be clear communicators. Don't be cryptic. Be clear communicators. We're done. Let's all stand up. And let's, let's be good communicators with our spouses, especially. Somebody say amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're the great communicator. You've communicated everything that we need to know. And Father, we thank you that as we uh, fill ourselves with your word, we can communicate well. When we fill ourselves with your spirit, we can communicate uh, well with our spouse, whether it be to a, a congregation or preaching or preaching to a lost person or preaching to our children or speaking to our spouse. Father, you can enhance our communication if we'll ask you and fill ourselves with the word. We'll always have a ready answer in season to speak that is the right word in season. And Father, we thank you. Bless the people as they go. Prosper and protect, guide and guard and direct each and every one. May they be the head and not the tail above only, not beneath. Bless coming in, bless going out. Father, now we believe you'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that dwells within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless somebody as you're going out tonight and uh, be good communicators. Amen.